Welcome to Inclusion Matters, produced by the Center for Inclusive Child Care, aka the CICC. We're located at inclusivechildcare.org. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast of the Center for Inclusive Child Care. I'm Cindy Croft, Director of the Center for Inclusive Child Care, and I'm here with Priscilla Weigel, an inclusion consultant with the Center. Welcome, Priscilla. So glad again to have you as a guest speaker with the podcast. Great. It's great to be here. So we've been doing a lot of different topics, and we've been talking a lot about challenging behavior as well as play. And so today we thought we would take it a little bit different direction Mm -hmm. uh, based on some of your recent consultations in child care programs. And you've been talking about uh, a common theme that you've been seeing, which is children who are sort of struggling uh, uh, maybe in a sense of control. And so it's coming out in some of their behaviors. Mm -hmm. And it made us think about talking in terms of both the staff and the children who's in control and why does it really matter? Mm -hmm. And it does matter, right? It definitely does. And it helps children to feel in control themselves when we exude that sense of control and not the punitive, disciplinarian, kind of authoritarian control that sometimes people maybe think needs to be given toward children. But just they need to feel like there's a grown-up that's calming the chaos of their day. Mm -hmm. And so when that doesn't happen and when they keep pushing the boundaries, what they're telling us with that behavior, pushing the limits, when are you going to stop me? Mm -hmm. Does anyone care how far I go here? Mm -hmm. You know, I need someone to tell me. And so that's why we have, and we've talked about this in past podcasts, why we have routine and rules, why we have clear consistency as far as staffing patterns and expectations of kids. But what's happening, I think, in just many of the child cares that I'm going out to see, it's this just this wavering of where do I draw the line as the provider, as the parent, Parents struggle with it too, and with mm-hmm. young children. They they have the whole issue of my child has been away from me all day, you know, in this other setting. Now I'm here. I hate to spend this time constantly reminding them of the limits and exactly. setting those limits. And so there's this, this kind of inner struggle for child care providers and parents on what do we do? Where do we stop? Maybe you'd like to tell our audience about a recent experience you've had with a little girl who is, um, she's, she's struggling to find limits, mm-hmm. and the staff is really struggling to find that right limit-setting behavior for both themselves and for her. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a really great example of, of what we sometimes, we maybe get into a situation where we get off balance, and the children become the ones who are... Um, sort of dictating what's happening, mm-hmm. and it's very difficult sometimes for staff to see and get out of that place where they can become, again, the grown-ups. Right, and, and we are the grown-ups, and mm-hmm. that's one thing, too. You know, the quickest way to diffuse a power struggle is to pull yourself out of it, and I think when, when providers get sucked into that power struggle, it, it's all... it's about I want to win, I want to be in charge, I got to tell you that there are other ways of getting to that point, of saying to that child, 
nope, this is the rule. And it's not going to happen in a tug-of-war with a three-year-old. It's just not going to happen because they're, that child is not going to get the point. But the example that you were alluding to is this little girl who is just freshly four, very verbal, very articulate, a very bright little girl, and has kind of just gone through her classroom like a tornado and set dress code standards for her peers by saying, you know, you're not, nobody, if you wear pants and you're a girl, it's not okay. And so now all the other little girls in the class are now only wearing skirts. <laughs> so you can see that that's now filtered back, trickled back to the families because these parents obviously are engaged in power struggles when their children are getting ready for school and their children are saying, no, we can't. We can't wear pants and shorts. We have to wear a skirt if we're a girl. So that's one example. And another example is just that, you know, the staff has, are kind of at their wits end with trying lots of different ways to get the children to line up because there's been this hierarchy and the, the little girl will say, you know, my spot's better than your spot, or you can't stand by me in line. And so the, the teachers have tried to adapt because that's what early childhood professionals do. We adapt mm -hmm. and we try to meet the needs of the children. So they've changed their format and they've instead now have the children each get a number and they go and match their number out in the hallway on the wall. Well, then this little girl has taken it to the next level and said, well, my number's better than your number. And so then the staff think, okay, now that's not working. So you can just kind of sense that Ugh, panic within the, the teachers and the other children that things are constantly changing because they're trying to figure this out mm -hmm. instead of just saying enough mm -hmm. guess what mm -hmm. we're all going to line up it doesn't matter where you are we're going to go from point A to point B in a big blob mm -hmm. so we're not lined up perfectly is that so terrible mm -hmm. and I think that we spend so much time putting expectations on children that look good to us like it feels good as a teacher I know because I was a teacher to stand in front of a group of kids and have them all lined up it looks nice, mm -hmm. but really, developmentally, it doesn't really matter. Right. You just want to make sure they get safely to where you need to go. So to just say, guys, we're going to the muscle room. Let's all go. It eliminates waiting for the kids who don't find their number. It eliminates waiting for the children who don't have their feet on the little footprints in the doorway. It, it just, they're ready, you move. That's the key. Instead of saying, Oh, we're going to wait till you're ready. We're going to wait till Joey is quiet. Well, mm -hmm. you could be waiting for seven hours mm -hmm. because if Joey finally decides to be quiet, who's to say that Enrique doesn't want to be, you know, he might start singing or maybe Sally mm -hmm. might decide that she's going to pull somebody's hair or you could be waiting all day. And really, teachers know they tend to wait for the same kids all the time. And their standards for that child are gonna, are different than those other children. They might ignore some of those behaviors because maybe Joey has other behaviors that are blown up throughout the day. So just little things like that that just kind of take the struggle out of it. Mm -hmm. And with this little this girl in particular, um, it seems as though, on the one hand, her temperament would would indicate that she has some strong. Uh, leadership. She's maybe she has some high intensity. Mm -hmm. She has lots of confidence. Mm -hmm. um, so she has some natural temperament traits that have that other children are are maybe going to follow her because of that. But it also seems that in your description, 
Um, she also is maybe looking for somebody to set some limits for her. And don't we see this sometimes in children who are using they're using some behaviors that are, seem challenging to the adults, but when you look a little deeper, maybe the child is is actually saying. I need you to set a limit for me. I'm I'm whirling here. Mm -hmm. I'm out of control. I, I need help. Right. And and imagine living as a four year old with that being your constant job. How can I gain control? That's hard work. To constantly be thinking, oh, everybody's looking at another person in the group. I want them to be looking at me. I've got to figure out how to quick get that attention back. So, you know, it's it when we step in and say, you know what, you're not in charge of whose number is bigger or better. We all know numbers go in order. Mm -hmm. Go line up. Just taking the power struggle out of it. And not even just, you know, just with your tone of voice. We as adults can exude calm in a classroom. I saw it the other day, a teacher who this little boy was supposed to change because they were going to go to the pool. And he was a child that has some, you know, kind of intense needs. And she was saying to me, we were out on the playground, she's saying, yeah, I don't know how we're going to get him in his swimsuit because, you know, everybody else has theirs on now and he refused earlier. And so there was a little bit of that anxiety. But when we walked in, she calmly just as he passed his swimsuit cubby said, you may want to put on your suit just in case you want to swim. And then she kept walking by. And he said, okay. And I said to her, what did you say? You know, it seemed really low-key. And she said, you know, I knew that if he didn't put his suit on, he could stay back at school with the other teacher. And so I wasn't stressed out about it. And that little boy sensed that mm -hmm. low, if any, stress level. She was so calm, she just said it in a matter-of-fact way. Like she knew he'd do it. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Expect that they're going to comply because guess what? They probably will when you have that tone and when they feel, kids are so intuitive. And I, you know, I said to this teacher, I said, way to go, you really, you really set the stage for that interaction by your calm, which created calm for him. I think you're speaking very well to the second part of our title, which is why does it matter? Mm -hmm. It matters so much. It matters for the child because we're helping them with this sense of security, which is part of what they need to and their emotional development mm -hmm. for their sense of competency and self-esteem. They want a place where they feel safe and secure. That's the only place where they can really fully develop as right. emotional beings. Mm -hmm. And so once again, when we can see our role as the grown-up, mm -hmm. um, then we can help them in their development. But as you said, that can be very tricky sometimes when we kind of forget, we get caught up in the struggle. Any last get, comments, Priscilla? Well, we get so caught up, and this is kind of moving us into what we're going to talk about next, I think, in the next podcast, but we get so caught up in what we have to do mm -hmm. and what we have to accomplish, and we forget about looking at that child and saying, what do they need right now? Maybe they need to just sit on our lap and be mm -hmm. a kid. And just, maybe we need to say, what, what should we do next? Or what did you do yesterday? Or, boy, look at that bird outside. Have you ever seen a bird fly like that? Wonder why they do that. Where you just are sitting and being near them because you're creating a relationship that says, I can come to you if I need you, 
when I am feeling out of control, even though they don't even know they're out of control, but they, they need something. This little boy, the same little boy that bought the swimming suit, the teacher said that they've been really working on building that relationship with him. And I said, you know what, I noticed that you hold his hand when you leave, when you walk through the hall. And she said, today is the first day that he took my hand. Wow. But we've been practicing it, and I've just made that an expectation. Nope, you got to hold my hand when we walk down the hall, because he would always run. And so now he knows, there's my anchor, let me hang on to mm -hmm. it. It just gives me goosebumps. Yeah. I mean, I said yeah. to her, I said, that is the coolest, mm -hmm. that made my day to see that. And then we went, and they were going to board the bus, school bus, tons of kids going to a giant pool. You could see he was pulling on the door, open, close, open, close. I said, I can see him revving up. You can see him. Through his behavior, he's saying, this is uncomfortable. This is starting to get uncomfortable. Guess what that little boy did? He walked over to the teacher, and he took her hand. Fantastic. It was so yeah. amazing. Mm -hmm. He learned through their expectations and their sense of control, mm -hmm. this is going to help you. And guess what? Now he knows this helps me, and he does it himself. The little boy's four years old, mm -hmm. but he figured it out because they helped him by setting those boundaries. Exactly. Oh, that's such a great way to end this podcast, Priscilla. Thank you for that. And it also is a great segue to our next series of podcasts, which is really finding our pleasure and passion in children again and and why are we even doing this so mm -hmm. thank you so much uh, for that and I want to encourage people who are listening um, if they're interested they can go to our learning center and find longer uh, self-study courses on topics such as play and challenging behavior at our website www.inclusivechildcare.org so thank you once again Priscilla and we'll see you soon okay thanks that's all for now see you next time